0: Welcome to Biohack Your Beauty. I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp, and I'm here to help you find the most powerful beauty biohacks, nutrition principles, lifestyle habits, and spiritual practices for optimal well-being. My podcast offers tools to help you discover how to exude inner and outer beauty, how to design a life of deep sensuality, joyful relationships, divine adventures, and freedom from disease. Most of all, I created this podcast to join you in co creating a better world by standing in our own power and emanating our own authentic beauty. Let's biohack the mind, body, and soul, and let's do it together. For the last 15 years, Gianna De La Torre has been a witness to countless healing experiences in the lives of the people she works with. Her understanding of the body began 20 years ago on the yoga mat. In 2003, she traveled to India to study Ashtanga Yoga and met an Ayurvedic doctor who inspired her to explore alternative medicine. The tools she learned along the way helped her cope with a traumatic event in her own life. Acupuncture and Chinese medicine are an integral part of Gianna's practice, but her offering wasn't fully expressed until she combined it with intuitive reading. She believes that our behaviors and patterns are reflected in the body. The subtle vibrations of limiting thoughts and fears have the potential to manifest as pain and disease. By balancing the body and upshifting negative patterns, she believes that the patient has a greater ability to heal herself. Gianna added cosmetic acupuncture to her practice because she wanted her patients to have access to a full, whole-body, health-conscious beauty regimen. Gianna uses ancient beauty rituals passed down for thousands of years to connect us to the wisdom of past generations. We cover so much in this episode that I have been curious about, so I'm really honored that I get to share it with all of you. We discuss cosmetic acupuncture, gua sha, facial cupping, and Gianna breaks down Chinese medicine and explains yin and yang, as well as qi, shen, and jing. I'm very excited for you to learn from Gianna's incredible wisdom. She's magnetic. She's so wise. She has so much to offer us in this episode. I encourage you to listen all the way to the end. If you enjoy this episode, please feel free to share it with friends and family. It is the best way to support the podcast. Today's show has been brought to you by an incredible technology that is out there to help your body regenerate cells. BioPhoton Services provides a revolutionary approach to how the body is healed. It's a holistic method that addresses the physical, mental, and emotional elements of well-being. Biophoton Services utilizes an advanced biophoton resonance filter that recalibrates the body's own light, also known as biophotons. This process is done by measuring the meridians on the hands and toes, looking for disturbances correlated to each organ. In today's world, we are exposed to many forms of toxicity, including environmental pollutants such as GMOs, heavy metals, chemicals, and EMFs that inhibit the body's immune system to self-govern and communicate. Biophoton therapy is non-invasive and regenerates healthy cells from the inside out. You can schedule an in-person appointment or a remote appointment, and on your first visit, you can mention my name for 20% off. All right, everyone, very excited about this episode, very honored that I get to share this amazing woman's wisdom with you. Without further ado, Gianna De La Torre. Hi, Gianna. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dora. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling today?
1: I'm currently feeling very pregnant. I'm like seven and a half months pregnant right now, so that's been one of the biggest Um, areas that I've been growing in in my life currently. (laughs) Literally and (laughs) And and emotionally, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Wow. And how is that feeling for you? It has felt so interesting. It's it's interesting to be an energy worker and to feel someone's energy coming into your own body Mm. with their own consciousness and, and to have that like change and morph through the different phases of things and and also just accepting really drastic changes in your own body like week by week um, has been a real exercise and just compassion for, mm-hmm. for myself and my body. Just mm-hmm. knowing that my needs this week might be different from my needs next week. And I'm used to being really strong and active and just kind of like going with a
0: completely different flow. So Wow. It's been great overall. It's been really awesome. How exciting. And is this your first pregnancy? Your first baby? It is. It's my first baby. Oh, my gosh. How exciting. Oh, wow. Well, I'm excited for you. That sounds amazing. Do you know if it's going to be a boy or a girl? It's a girl. Oh, how fun girls are fun it's a girl, yeah I was excited about the yeah you know the gender reveal more than I thought I would be but evidently I was really into it <laughs> well it's exciting I think it, it gets you kind of more connected to what is going to be so it's exciting I guess it kind of gets you a little bit more in the planning zone too yeah exactly very cool well, let's talk a little bit about what you do. So you're an intuitive acupuncturist, but you wear many capes. So what was your journey like in becoming a healer?
1: My journey in becoming a healer was one that I feel like started when I was young. Um, my grandfather is a doctor. My, my mom's dad is a doctor. And my my father is also a physician. And... So I grew up just like kind of always practicing diagnosing, you know, like diagnosing what was going on with my skin or if I if I was sick, like getting really specific with like diagnoses. I remember doing that from a really young age and and feeling like I was just going to be a doctor. You know, when you're like seven, you're like, of course, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a neurosurgeon. Um totally. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I had big plans for myself. Mm-hmm. And then um but I was also an artist in a lot of ways and that's really what I tended to favor like academically. It was like arts and writing and um fine art and all of those things. And and you know, long story short, I started studying yoga when I was in college and kind of sent me on this walkabout and as soon as I graduated I went to India and my skin broke out really badly and it had also happened in high school my skin just like broke out I had like bad acne which is so embarrassing as like a young teen and mm-hmm. it happened again when I was traveling in India and I went in to see an ayurvedic specialist and he took one look at me and he said you're allergic to milk and I, it was so profound for me because my dad, who was a physician, like put me on antibiotics that I was on for like a year, mm-hmm. which like makes me cringe now thinking yeah. of like really knowing what that does to your microbiome and your system. And, and I just thought, wow, that's so profound that like no one ever really taught him in medical school, like what you can take away mm-hmm. from the diet, you know, or like a lot of nutrition just was like completely neglected. And and we would go on these fancy vacations as a as a kid sponsored by like drug companies mm-hmm. and um, and they they act that's actually illegal like the extent to which they basically like bribed us wow. <laughs> with these like experiences so i saw that really firsthand and and it was actually in my first yoga teacher training that i sat next to a girl and she was like i'm in school for chinese medicine and it was like my whole body tingled and I had this like very visceral response. I was like, wow, you can go to school and study that. Of course, I was like in California <laughs> doing my teacher <laughs> yeah. training. And um, I was, it was just like this profound moment where I was like, oh, that, like, that's what I want to do. I want to do something that bridges the gap between, um, you know, the yoga lifestyle that I had been living and like an organic whole food based lifestyle with this kind of like medical desire and kind of like heritage that I have. So, so that's how I I began doing that and and when I was in acupuncture school, I um just really loved all the material and it was really interesting and about like halfway through, I was in a really terrible car accident and my boyfriend at the time was was killed in the car accident and it was like a very life-changing moment, as, as you can imagine, for me. And it, it felt like in order to cope and deal with that situation, with that trauma, I was really looking for answers in a lot of different places, and, and I was getting so many different types of healing work. And one of the things that I did at that time is I took a, a class on Theta Healing, and Theta Healing really kind of connected me to... Um, you know, the world beyond and i f- I found a lot of empowerment in being able to kind of communicate across like spiritual planes and receive information and and also like recognize that in some ways like that information had always been there for me and I also believe for all of us as long as we're kind of flexing that muscle. And so I never really had any intention of fusing acupuncture with kind of like this intuitive work, the intuitive work I thought I'd always keep for myself. And, and, um, acupuncture is what I'd offer to the world because I was sciency and who wants to like call yourself a psychic. And <laughs> I felt like I was above that in some way, shape or form, but it wasn't until I started fusing acupuncture with intuitive reading that my practice really took off. And, um, they always say acupuncturists, often say a bunch of my teachers had said that your specialty will find you. And I really got that when I started doing this work, because that's when people were really excited about the work that they were receiving and started sending their friends. And all of a sudden, like, that's what I did. And so that was probably about, I guess, like eight years ago now. And so over the last eight years, I've been offering a session that fuses acupuncture with um, intuitive healing and intuitive reading.
0: Wow. And, and that's kind of how it started. So what does that look like when someone is, um, coming in for acupuncture? What is the intuitive component? Do you, um, like read their energy or do you have visions? What is, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a great
1: question. Cause it can seem like such a vague concept So um, it starts out very much like an acupuncture session. I ask about what's going on physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally um, for my patients. And I I look at their tongue and I read their pulse. And I give them an acupuncture treatment that um, is tailored to them. So they have an opportunity to kind of like do maybe 10 or 15 minutes of meditation and just kind of receive the acupuncture treatment to start. And then I'll sit next to them and I'll kind of set a hand on their shoulder and close my eyes and take some deep breaths. And and often I'll guide them in a little bit of meditation. and, And then I just ask to receive whatever information is in their highest and best interest. And so oftentimes it comes to me quite quickly because the people who come in and are open to the work are usually pretty open and ready to receive that. And sometimes it comes in form in pictures. Sometimes I'll hear things, and and um, I just kind of have the intention to offer a reflection of what's coming through. So if I, if I could just be kind of like a mirror of what's going on energetically in their space, then um, you know that's what I want to provide is is an opportunity for them to have a different view or perspective of what's going on, and then um using a few different th- techniques that really I learned from theta healing. We can start to clear any excess energy, clear out people um, who are lingering in your energy field. We, you know, we're also energetic and empathetic that we can pick up other people's energy. And so, yeah, often I'll see little like stories and sometimes they're funny and, <laughs> and it's a kind of a lighthearted experience to, to do a reading and, and, um, Get feedback on on what's going on energetically, because we can be really hilarious as humans. Like our behaviors, (laughs) (laughs) the way that our minds function, and and um and it's I think it's also healthy to be able to laugh at ourselves in 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 the patterns that we engage in sometimes consciously or unconsciously.
0: Oh, totally agreed, 100%. (laughs) I think you got to have a sense of humor to, because it's if you get serious about it, you'll just. I think you'll do yourself in because you can just go on and on about all the weird, quirky things that we do just for self-preservation purposes. I think the stories that we tell and, and just how we have to kind of almost restructure the way that we look at ourselves sometimes because of it's sometimes hard, you know, to, to go through life. It's not, not an easy journey.
1: No, it is not. And, um, and we're all so similar. We're having a lot of similar experiences and a lot of things that I see. It's like a lot of us are going through similar type things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and if we can connect to each other and, and recognize that, I think we would all be a little bit more compassionate, too, because when you have an experience that um, is traumatic or life changing, I think it also opens that door to compassion for people in similar situations yeah. or who have similar experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. you you mentioned clearing out people's energy as part of your healing service. So why is that something that people might want to do? Like what is it what does it mean when somebody's energy is affecting you?
1: We're all we're also we're sponges. I think that we're all empaths and as we start out as young children we you know we our archetype is like a sponge (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. what we are Mm -hmm. and we're never really taught the language to articulate what it feels like to feel other people's stuff but we've all felt it like we've all felt someone who has like a big dark storm cloud over their head and they walk into the room and they just suck all the air out of it Mm -hmm. or um Or the opposite, which is someone who's just so radiant and delightful that you want to be around them and you're like, wow, what's going on with that person? And especially to the people that we love the most, we really can just take one look at them and know what's going on. And some people would say that that's reading body language. Some people would say that that's knowing that person. But on some level, it's also that we're feeling them. Right. And and so if we walk through the world in this empathic way, you know, we can really kind of pick up a lot of stuff that doesn't belong to us. And I always say, like I was shown this image in a session that said it was like an image of someone carrying a very heavy rock up a hill. And as an empath, you see that person carrying a very heavy rock up the hill, and you're like, oh, I hurt for them. Like, that looks very hard. And so you go over to them and you say, let me carry that rock up that hill. And so you start carrying the rock up the hill, but another one just appears in their arms because in some some way it's their path, right? Mm -hmm. So it would be be more beneficial to walk alongside them and say, you can do it. You can get through this. (laughs) And it would be to actually take that on yourself. Right. And... And, you know, in in very small ways, we do this throughout the world. In our work, sometimes if you are a people pleaser and a very sensitive person, then your inclination is going to be to walk into a room and make sure that everyone's feeling good and happy. Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll try to be the one who cheers them up. And it really is ultimately so that you can feel comfortable
0: and relax. <laughs> so, oh, so true. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: You're like, are you okay? Are you uh-huh. okay? Are okay. Now I can, like, be calm, yeah. right? Because you've had to tend to that. But, it, you know, the invitation to clear your space is to, is to own that you only have to feel what you feel in your system. Everything else from everyone else's energy is a choice. It's a choice that we, we haven't been taught that we're given so so that kind of energy break of saying okay i see that person's going through a really challenging time today or they're in a really bad mood and i you know i choose not to take that on i choose not to feel that and i'm gonna stay in my own bubble and there's all kinds of exercises that we can use to stay in our bubble um, with meditation and breath work and exercise and you know even just kind of energy clearing different rituals they don't have to be like burning sage always sometimes something as simple as washing your hands with the intention to like release and let go of a challenging conversation or interaction um can be a ritual Mm
0: -hmm. it's sometimes so hard to let people feel pain you know you just it's almost like I mean I I think I'm like that and a lot of healers are where they just want to fix what's wrong and they want that person to feel better and it is to make it in a way to make yourself feel like okay they're they're okay and I, then I'm okay and I think we're taught that sometimes with the way that we're raised to by pleasing our parents so if our parents are okay then we're okay and yeah so it's almost like relearning how to allow someone to to, to go through that process of feeling pain or feeling Whatever they're they're going through, and and allowing them to grow from it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a complete reframing of kind of how we're taught. Mm-hmm. Um, we've learned so much from the challenges that we've been through, and so we can really worry about ourselves or others when we're going through a hard time. Yeah, or we can kind of hold a vision that they have all the tools they need to get through it mm-hmm. and to move through it and be be better and feel better for having done that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But there is like quite a bit of relearning.
0: Right? There, oh man. And sometimes it's, I think the closer you are to that person, the more challenging it is sometimes, you know, if it's your partner, um, or if you've been like, if it's, if you're kind of codependent, I think it's sometimes really challenging to let that person that you love so much or your child, maybe, you know, go through yeah something that's hurting them because all you want to do is just make them like feel better or have them just feel relief and so allowing them to build and grow and and expand sometimes is hard but also it's the greatest gift you can give them because that allows them to become who they're destined to be yeah exactly yeah and so um let's talk a little bit about acupuncture, because it's something we haven't really delved into on the show. So tell me a little bit about acupuncture. How does it heal the body? And I, I know that it doesn't just work with the physical body. It also works with the emotional body as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So acupuncture works on all of the meridians in the body, and every meridian is connected to a specific organ. And sometimes when we talk about, you know, okay, your stomach's out of balance or your liver is overactive, um, it doesn't mean there's actually something wrong with your liver or your stomach, um, you know, from like a biomedical perspective. But if you think about each meridian in the body almost as like a freeway, then you can think about, there can be like congestion of course I'm from LA sometimes <laughs> like freeways. So you can imagine that like if your liver freeway is backed up and congested, then it's not allowing the flow to take place. And when there's congestion, for example, in the liver meridian, that can create all different kinds of um, symptoms like PMS or irritability or headache on the top of the head or um, like, like um, upper rib pain. You know, there's all of these really, really specific symptoms. It's also connected to the emotion of anger. Um, so that's kind of the way that that the physical and the emotional bridge together is that every single organ meridian has also this emotion that's attached to it. So for the spleen, that would be sadness, or for the kidney, that would be fear um for the lung it would be grief you know when we go out of balance these are the emotions that we feel from these things and for the heart it would be almost like mania or overjoy <laughs> or like mm. hyperactivity maybe so um in some ways it sounds very complicated but it's so simple because it so like you get to know these different organs and these different organ pathologies these different meridian pathologies like like archetypes so you know you can recognize which organ is out of balance from the pulse and from the description that someone gives you and and it's like it just clicks right away if someone's feeling just really fatigued and exhausted and and not sleeping well and they're also feel like they're holding on to excess weight and like their hips and their their butt and they're you know not doing as much exercise and they're craving sweets you're like oh your spleen's out of balance, mm-hmm. you know, and so we're going to, we're going to balance your spleen and they might, they might suffer from over worry or overthinking. Um, oh, I and... definitely think my spleen is
0: <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that sounds like me.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so many of us. Um, so many of us have, have spleen stuff. <laughs> like, I, I feel like our culture is a culture of spleen pathology. Oh my
0: gosh. It sounds like it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so in, in that way, you know, that's, I could like go on and on and on about acupuncture, but but if you think about it in those main ways of like we're treating these different archetypes of being by balancing the organ system and that will affect not only your physical body, but your emotional system because, you know, we know that like we're like, for example, with PMS, like there's a real emotional component to that. And so if you can balance... The, the organs that are creating that, then you'll also feel more balanced in your being. And that's, you know, that's acupuncture. Acupuncture and herbology are almost like two, two different limbs. Not all people who practice acupuncture practice herbology. Not all people who practice herbology practice acupuncture. And then there's a lot of people who do both. Um, traditionally in China, that was like two different people it would be an acupuncturist and an herbologist. And the way that we're taught um, in this country, we actually get a dual master's, one in herbology and one in acupuncture. And so the herbs do the same things as as the needles. So, you know, you can have a, an acupuncture treatment to strengthen the spleen, but you can also have an herbal formula to take home that will help kind of medicinally. I think about herbs as like organ superfoods. <laughs> so yeah. if you're treating the spleen, then you're taking... Um, herbs that are known to benefit you know the blood or the spleen or whatever whatever that that practitioner feels is appropriate for you.
0: Whenever you've got let's say a spleen issue or a liver issue is that something that you'll know exactly okay well this is the correlated herb that goes for that or is it something where you kind of have more of an intuitive sense of, of this is these herbs are good, but this one sa- seems like it would be good for you. Um, it's it's definitely a pretty precise
1: science. Mm. And within that science, there's a lot of differing opinions like within within the entire Chinese medicine field, no two practitioners are will probably do the exact same thing. It's more likely that you would get the exact same formula, especially for like really specific conditions. But there also might be some slight variations because there's so many different traditions, and the reality is, is that um, the way that we're taught, like all of them work, whether it's Japanese style or whether it's Korean or whether you use tinctures or whether you use raw herbs or, you know, um, it's all good. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. all good, and and there's there's kind of this spiritual alignment of of saying that you know, the practitioner's intention is also a factor. So if you are trying to use someone else's model of working, it might not be as effective as is. So if you're doing what you do best and what you really believe in to be the best thing for the patient. So, um, so I do want to say that there can be like a lot of different, you could go to two different acupuncturists and they might treat you completely differently. And, and both of them are, are likely right
0: because <laughs> there's so many styles. Yeah. I mean, and it's been around for a very long time, right? It goes back like thousands of years. Yeah. It does. It goes back 4,000 years. Wow. It's, It's so beautiful, too. We have this like very recent wave of Western medicine and, 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 pharmaceuticals and people, I mean, I, I won't go into it too much, but, you know, a lot of pharmaceuticals are targeted at very specific symptoms, but they're not really getting to the root of you know what's going on. And uh, it's yeah. just so amazing that now people are kind of retreating from that and they're going back to these ancient modalities, which have been around for so long and they've worked for so long. And so it's kind of beautiful in a way to know that, this this it's timeless yeah yeah it really is so your practice acknowledges the powers of Qi and shen so what yes. are what are these and why are they important
1: so chi just going I'll just go back to the freeway reference <laughs> you know if like the highway is nice and open and flowing like that's good chi like you're able to to move freely and chi is kind of that element of movement um, through the system. So it's, it's kind of a hard concept for people who aren't familiar with kind of energetics to understand. Um, but it is just that free flow of movement through the meridians and through the system. And then um, shen is spirit. So shen, we, we, we talk about shen as um, shining from someone's eyes. You can tell if someone has a healthy Shen by looking in their in their eyes and kind of seeing the health of their spirit. And we've all even looked at ourselves at the end of a really stressful week or a stressful day, and we just look like beat and exhausted. Mm-hmm. Like our Shen isn't very bright in those moments, right? Think about if you like stayed up for two days um, with like an angry toddler or something. <laughs> like that wouldn't be <laughs> the highest point of Shen. Um, there's also Shen Disturbance that we see with um, a lot of like mental, emotional or psychological disorders. You know, I think you're in the Bay Area. You're familiar with a lot of that, like mm-hmm. on the streets of San Francisco. Oh my gosh, yes. Totally. Yeah, so so that would be like Shen Disturbance. Um, and Jing is this life force energy. It's almost like the most essential life force energy. It's the energy that we receive from our parents and, and that comes from the kidneys, which we see as kind of like the seat of jing or life force. Um, if someone is to truly, truly die of old age, they'll die from kidney failure. Because that's, that's kind of like, okay, well, once the kidneys don't work, it's like the jing has expired.
0: Wow, how interesting. And
1: yeah. And there's like, as a tidbit, there's even... There's even, like, the ears relate to the kidneys. We have, like, these different features on us that relate to the kidneys. We have two kidneys. We have two ears. The ears are actually kidney-shaped. And sometimes you'll see an older person who has just, like, a really big ear that looks, like, archaeological, you know, looks yes. like a landscape. Yeah. <laughs> and and that would be, like, an ear of jing. Like, that person has very strong jing. And... um And then they actually found that, like, the stem cells that create the kidneys also create the ear. Wow, which is also connects to, you know, hearing, and and um, the stem cells of the tongue and the heart also come from the same the same stem cell. So we have these different like connections from the physical to the organ. And so Jing is is essentially like our, our most primitive life force that's like the birth of our of our energy comes from our, our Jing.
0: Interesting. And so what are there ways to build those? I mean I know there are. There there's ways to use like herbs and foods, but what would be some like prime ways to build your qi and your jing and your shen? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll just start with the
1: kidney since we were just talking about it. Um, so again, when we think about nourishing Jing, we would think directly about nourishing the kidney. And the kidney food tends to be black or dark purple. Black, black sesame seeds are really, really good for the kidney. Mm. Um, things that are, like, dark in color, like, um, like, if you think about, like, purple cabbage, or, um, black rice, or, um, there's even in Chinese medicine, or in China, I should say, there's, there's a whole species of black chicken. Really? Yeah, and, and they will actually, I've been reading a lot about this, because for, for kind of recovery, from um, postpartum or giving birth, they'll steam these black chickens and it's almost like the vapor or the mist or the broth that comes from these chickens, you're supposed to drink it every day. How interesting. And um, yeah, and so it's like that essence you're yeah. trying to replenish and it's, it's also you know good for blood and all different kinds of things, but you're really trying to replete the kidney when you've given life to some other being. <laughs> and, totally, and um, yeah so yeah repleting your jing also the kidney is a very yin organ it's the most yin organ of all the yin organs so yin has a lot to do with like rest and relaxation and qigong like a lifelong qigong practice is is created to kind of like restore jing and and um it also benefits shen but but you know, to to kind of do these really nurturing, nourishing practices that, that benefit the yin, um, is what you would do for your jing. There's also like a certain amount of jing that's just kind of inherited, you know, our inheritant our inherited Jing. So we would inherit that from our from our parents, from our family. If you think about like a strong genetic component, um, that would be That would be your kind of constitutional jing. And there's only kind of so much you can do, right? Because what you (laughs) inherit is what you inherit. But there are ways that you can really take care of yourself. And then shen, activities like, again, meditation are going to be really good for shen. Being able to focus on one thing at a time. Um, Benefiting your shen has a lot to do with lifestyle, sleep, making sure that you're getting good sleep. Which also means that if you're not getting good sleep, that you're treating the organs that are causing that pathology. Whether it's, you know, the spleen or the heart, there can be all different reasons that we would have something like insomnia. But um, in order to feel rested, it's like you're making choices that are healthy for your spirit. You're living a life that's in integrity with, um, with your health and with your purpose. So if you're like working on Wall Street and you're going out and drinking every night. It's like that's not going to benefit either your body or your shen, especially if you hate it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Um, So that, you know, exercise also, taking care of your mental health and doing, you know, living the spiritual life and the spiritual practice is great medicine for that. Um, Yeah, just really like overall self-care. And then for your chi, when we think about qi We actually think first about spleen. you think about your spleen chi. Um, your spleen is what converts all of your food from your stomach into your blood. and so it's it's really responsible for um, like keeping that healthy flow of energy through your system. so, Again, we talked about all of the things that aren't great for the spleen. Over sitting, overthinking, over consumption of sweets or alcohol, um, high stress. Basically like the American lifestyle. Yeah,
0: I was just gonna <laughs> say that. G. Oh, you mean mm-hmm. what most people do every day? <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so so the things that are really great for your spleen and your spleen qi. Um, a lot of that is actually dietary. So you know, we've we've all heard about the benefits of different diets and and different ways of living. Whether it was like different fads, like when I was living in San Francisco, it was like all about raw food and oh, yeah. totally. all about you know. Now everyone's into a ketogenic diet, and ultimately, what the spleen wants is it wants food that is almost pre-digested so that it doesn't have to work too hard to warm things up and break things down so you can think about like congees or kitcheries Mm -hmm. things that are orange or yellow are really good for the spleen like butternut squash you know Mm -hmm. it's warm it's soft um, or like soups and stews that have a lot of vegetables that you know, aren't, aren't cooked so long that they're like robbed of their nutrients, but they're warm, they're warming, you know, things like ginger, turmeric. Um, it warms your digestion and keeps that like, keeps that energy in. So as, as your body is breaking it down, it converts very readily to energy. And it means that your body isn't doing so much work to digest. That's why like some people did really terrible with the raw food diet. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. It's like so cold mm-hmm. and and your circulation so is
0: really. I mean, that was the thing for me. It was like I was literally always cold cuz I was like a raw foodist yeah. for a long time and I still eat a lot of raw foods, but I've definitely toned it down a little bit. Like I'm open to eating Soups and stews, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I have some meat some, some sometimes, you know, and so yeah. it's just like the circulation component. I was like, oh my gosh, why am I cold? It's like seventy degrees outside, and I'm freezing. Yeah, you know? I know,
1: I know. Yeah, it's because your body is having to use so much energy to warm your digestive system and warm your food. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one thing that we can really do for our spleen is is make digestion easier. So, aside, like, I, I don't really recommend that people do harsh cleanses because that can actually be hard on your system. But when you, when you do broths or soups or like these are things that have been bone broth, right? It's a fad now. It's been a thing in, in Chinese medicine for centuries, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're eating things that are warm and nourishing, then, then it means that your body can use energy to heal the other aspects of your being um, rather than just dealing with your your ingestion Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and your digestion Mm -hmm.
0: and do you think probiotics are good or is that something you would say is solely just eat fermented foods because fermented foods are very big in chinese medicine even the china study talked a lot about fermented foods
1: yeah that's you know that's a tradition there's not a lot written in you know like in chinese medicine about probiotics specifically because you the expectation is that you would get all of all of that probiotic nutrition from from your food and from your diet and and most um, you know Chinese medicine practitioners will will say that that it's ideal for you to get all your nutrients from your diet and which isn't to say there's something wrong with supplementation but the ideal is to to
0: have that fermented food mm-hmm so I don't really take supplements, but I take a lot of Chinese herbs and mm-hmm. I don't really look at them as supplements. I just look at them as foods because they're technically just foods. You know, they're, they're, yeah. uh, nourishing and there are, a lot of them are tonic. They're tonifying. Do you have any specifically that you tell people to take often or does it kind of vary with a diff- each different person?
1: Yeah, it varies with each different person. Um, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. Um, there are certain herbs that are good, like, in general for X or for Y. But, um, you know, the ideal situation is that you function great with no, with no herbs, right? And if something's out of balance, then you take those herbs to bring yourself back into balance, And the ideal also isn't that you need to take them all the time. And, um, and so, you know, it really, it has so much to do with your own specific pulse and your own specific constitution. Um, very cognizant of the fact that we, you know, we live in like this one size fits all culture where some people are going to do really great with, a ketogenic diet and other people are, are not going to do great at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has to do with blood type and, you know, what kind of a person you are. So the same the same kind of goes for, for herbs as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned yin and yang. Can you just basically break those two down? Yeah. So yin and yang
1: are basically masculine and feminine. They're cold and hot. They're... Um, you know, wet and dry. So yin, which is the feminine element, would would relate to the nighttime, the moon, downtime, sleep, um, cold, cool weather. Um, It's kind of like the the fall or the winter. Um, It's about introversion and looking in. And yang is masculine and hot and really hyperactive and, you know, the dead of summer and, you know, the male principle, if I didn't already say that. So all, all of these things, like these, these polar opposites, but then it wouldn't be correct to say that all women are yin and all men are yang. It's just that yin and yang are only exist in relationship to each other. So within a female body there will still be the yin and yang of that person in equal parts. And, um, you know, and the same thing goes for a man. The same thing goes for kind of like any situation. It's, it can be applied kind of globally, and it can be applied to the seasons, and it can be applied to a person. And even within an individual organ, we can look at the yin and the yang of that organ. So it's kind of like this fundamental first thing that we look at is the condition that someone is presenting with yin or is it yang? Are they presenting with a red face and and heat and anger and irritability? You know, we would say like, okay, that's yang, hyperactivity, right? Or they're presenting with lethargy and they're cold and they're really tired and they don't have any energy. You're like, okay, that's, that's yin, right? Um, so it's like you can use yin and yang spiritually as a reference. We use it diagnostically as a reference. We, we look at the whole system, you know, the organs as being either yin or yang. The yin organs are the main organs. They're the heart, the kidney, the liver the lung the spleen Um, the yang organs are the bowels they're kind of like the empty active organs they're like moving stuff through them Um, like the small intestine the large intestine the gallbladder Um, so it like yin and yang yin and yang is everything (laughs) (laughs) it's everything it's in us and it's everywhere And, um, and hopefully that explains a little bit about that. Like the reason that that symbol is so prevalent, like if we could count how many yin and yang tattoos there are in the world, (laughs) maybe the most common. And it's funny. It's like, really, it really is, you know, yin doesn't exist without yang. Yang doesn't exist without yin. And, um, it's a way of, of kind of looking at all things.
0: Mm -hmm. What about cosmetic acupuncture? So why... Would you, because cosmetic acupuncture is f- more for the face. We're so, we're. I mean, speaking of American culture, we're very concerned with our faces in this culture. Um, I guess in every culture, that's true, though. But um, so uh, what are the benefits of cosmetic acupuncture? Cosmetic
1: acupuncture is something that I've recently, over the past couple of years, gotten really, really passionate about because... Again, living in Los Angeles, you see so many people who are um, living an overall healthy lifestyle, but then they're still feeling like the only option they have is is like injectables or plastic surgery. There hasn't really been like a strong movement of a holistic movement around um, like really looking great. And feeling like you look great, right? And actually doing like active things to your um, to your face that will improve your appearance in a way that's natural. We're oh, just starting to see the emergence of the jade roller, and I'm also working with a company where we're developing um, a facial gua sha tool, Ooh. which is kind of opens the meridians of the face. So so when you're doing cosmetic acupuncture much in the same way that like reflexology you can work on the entire body with the foot and you can also work on the entire body with the hand meaning we call that a homunculus the face is also a homunculus you can treat the entire body while treating the face and it means that there are certain areas that will have constitutional weaknesses that will show up in the face so um, if you have, like, like a, a really deep furrow in your brow, that can be, like, a sign of, you know, a liver, liver imbalance or a liver constitution. So, you know, can cosmetic acupuncture, there's, there's several different types. And, but the overall philosophy is that you're going in, into treating all the different aspects of the face you know, the, the trouble spots, so to speak, which then in turn also balance the organs that are associated with them, meaning that you feel better overall and you're moving chi and you're moving blood in the face, you're releasing muscles, you're stimulating blood flow, you're stimulating collagen production, and so that your skin looks more plump and toned and brighter and your skin clears and and you feel better. So it's kind of this, it's not going to be as dramatic as, as a facelift, mm-hmm. but it'll, be, it'll provide
0: something that's noticeably different while improving your overall health. Very cool. And then one of the things I saw that you do is facial cupping. So what is cupping? Why would you do that? Because it's pretty crazy when, once you've done cupping.
1: <laughs> yeah, if anyone has had gua sha or has had cupping on their body, it's very, very different than what it will look like and feel like on the face. Mm -hmm. So the skin of the face is so much more delicate and the muscles of the face are so much smaller. Um, When I do gua sha on on the back, sometimes it can look quite red. And there can be (laughs) like, yeah, like with cupping, there can be like these big circular bruise marks on the back, which are totally normal, it's um it has to do with bringing any sort of stagnant energy or blood to the surface, mm-hmm. um, so it can clear. And with the skin of the face, what you're doing is you're just like, in a very gentle way, like if, if, what, if what we would do on the shoulder is like a 10, what you're doing on the face would be like a one or a two. Mm-hmm. So the intention is never to leave any sort of marks, but it's kind of a very gentle massage. So you're you're just using those cups or you're using the gua sha to release muscle tension, to stimulate circulation, to bring um, more blood flow into any areas of the face that can become kind of stagnant. Um, You know, areas of stagnation are places that we have wrinkles. Right, because the muscles are so used to contracting in, the, in that area that it means that the blood's not flowing as smoothly through that area. So um, with using the cups, and, and especially with the gua sha, you can really just smooth out fine lines and wrinkles and, and invite blood flow into the skin in places that it hasn't been flowing as freely. And um, again, the intention really is like lifting, plumping, toning, brightening the skin.
0: Well, I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> that sounds very cool. And so you also use an infrared biomat. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Because that's something you also incorporate into your practice.
1: Yeah, I love the biomat. Biomat is so amazing, it's kind of a healing experience in and of itself so the bio mat is full of amethyst and tourmaline and it's heated in a very specific way that that the the mat actually emits infrared heat as opposed to just like kind of like electric heat what it, infrared heat penetrates more deeply into the body and is associated with increased circulation it's associated with deep relaxation it's associated with um, an increase in white blood cell count and production um, the biomat also emits negative ions, which are also very calming, similar to kind of standing near the ocean. And the fact that it's also full of crystals is, you know, crystals have like their own <laughs> their wow. own kind of healing properties of clearing energy. And, and it's, it's, it's been nice for me too, in between patients when I have, um, a few minutes to be able to lay on the biomat and just kind of have a clearing experience. So it just contributes to the energy of the session to be able to lie down and and have this healing experience before anything has really even happened. This warm infrared heat um it's just a a more healing way to receive heat into your body. The heat that we radiate is actually also infrared heat. So yeah, it's a little bit about the biomat.
0: What are your
1: top three beauty biohacks? Right now, I'm really into Gua Sha. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm so into Gua Sha because we've been creating this product. Um, Wildling is the name of our company, and we're going to be launching in November. And we've created an entire system. Um, It's a spray an oil and a customized tool. That we've created that you can do at home and all of the ingredients are kind of derived from more Western herbology but all of the ingredients that we use in our tonics and in our oils are um, designed to actually assist the kind of skin detoxification and lymphatic movement and drainage component that um, Gua Sha also encourages and so you know, one of the most profound things that I've really been into lately is, is like doing the facial gua sha because sometimes I'll do even like half of my own face or a patient's face, and you can actually see how it it lifts and kind of decreases puffiness and and um, and all of those things. One of the one of the most timeless beauty hacks is sleep. In big cities, we that's like one of the first things to go when we're working hard or, or one of the first things to, to go when we're trying to have a social life and also get all of our work done is mm-hmm. is sleep. Like sleep is the most regenerating thing that we can do for ourselves. And aside, you know, you can take all of the supplements, <laughs> all of the collagen, all of the beauty stuff, but if you're not sleeping, you're you're not going to look your best. So there really is something to beauty sleep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep yeah. and then um, the third is is hydration, not just drinking water, but also eating foods that have a lot of hydration inside of them. Sometimes that's how we absorb moisture best. If it's like um, like cucumbers or watermelon or melon, like all of these things, uh, strawberries, they have so much water inside of them in addition to the nutrients and the electrolytes and our bodies absorb that actually better than just water alone if we're just like chugging water. Mm-hmm. So, um eating a lot of moisture rich foods um is another thing that's so beneficial for the skin.
0: I mean with Chinese medicine, a lot of the sugar component is something that's not as much encouraged I think as far as I know because I've seen a few acupuncturists Um, in my day. And a lot of them kind of say, you know, like balance your fruit and make sure that you're doing a lot of um, like warming foods. And I think fruit is like a cooling, cooling food, right? It can be. Yeah. Yeah, Depending on what it is. Yeah. Cucumber and, and watermelon, especially very cooling. So how much would you say, how much, I mean, cucumber whatever, how much of these foods would you recommend? Like, would you say like, um, you know, 50-50, like eating raw foods and then um, maybe more um, like half cooked foods, half raw foods, or do you have kind of a ratio that you go by?
1: There's really a ratio that, that pertains more to the seasons. Mm. Like we had a um, a few weeks in Los Angeles where it was like over 100 degrees. mm mm-hmm. And during those days, you can eat a lot of cucumber and melon and not get your system too cold. <laughs> right, right, yeah. You know, so it, it's seasonal. And then as even now, like as the seasons are changing just slightly, um, you, you can still have, have maybe a couple servings of that. Um, again, according to your constitution, if you have like a really – cold constitution you know maybe that won't be the best thing for you but you can also get a lot of hydration from from like soup or stew or um foods that are actually warm or hot tea Mm -hmm. um tonics in that way like warm tonics so um you know in the summer you you know you you could get away with like 50 50 Kind of raw and cooked, or maybe even a little bit more on the really hot days, and then in the winter it would be more like twenty percent raw. Again, it's like this; it's not one size fits all. Right, yeah, but like eighty percent warm, and and when I say warm, it's not like they have to be like totally wilted and
0: dead. But <laughs> even just like steamed, right? Um, to keep that energy in your system. Interesting. I love that. That's a really good advice.
1: Well, and then also, you know, San Francisco can sometimes feel like the winter in the summer. Every day. So.
0: Oh my gosh, it's yeah, summer I and I was there with my parents for dinner and we were all wearing like hats and scarves and like we could yeah. have used earmuffs. It was so, it was so cold and it was like, like you August, know. you know, but you know, that's what you get. It's, uh, summer is like winter here. So we just, (laughs) just got to appreciate it anyway. So uh, what is your definition of beauty, Gianna?
1: Beauty is something that radiates from the inside out. And it, you know, I think that beauty as far, as far as like from a Chinese medicine perspective is also really defined by Shen, right? Like that beauty, like loving someone who really loves themselves and takes time for themselves it's also going to be healthier and more radiant and more beautiful and and so beauty beauty truly does start from within whether that's the food that you ingest or whether that's the emotions that you feel um in some ways beauty is is being in alignment with yourself and loving yourself that's really that's really the root of of beauty beautiful and where can people find you? People can find me um, online at acuintuit.com. That's A-C-U-I-N-T-U-I-T dot com. And on Instagram at acuintuit. And um, my office in Los Angeles is, is near the Grove. Oh. And um, pretty soon I'll be going on maternity leave, but I'll be back um,
0: early in 2019. Yay! Oh, yay. Well, thank you for being on the show. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this show. Thank you for listening to this episode with Gianna. She had so much amazing wisdom to share, and I hope you take it and go out into the world and share it with others. One great way to do that is to share this episode with your family and friends and whoever else you may think might benefit from listening sharing the episode and this podcast is the best way to support biohack your beauty to get more amazing guests on the show and just to spread love and the power of biohacking so yes please share and please subscribe if you haven't yet that would also be amazing thank you so much for joining me let's keep vibrating higher and sharing the power of healing beauty and love with each other Thanks for tuning in. Have a beautiful week.